How many of you know what a gift card is? All right. Gift cards are amazing, practical items. In fact, one of the best things ever invented, it's not a credit card, has no interest with it. But what happens is somebody gives you this gift card. They have already purchased the amount on it, and you get to use it free of charge. This one happens to be to P.F. Chang's. Anybody like P.F. Chang's? Awesome. What I want you to do is I want you to think of your favorite restaurant, and on a count of three, we're going to say that out loud together. Ready? Get it up here. Your favorite restaurant. One, two, one, two, three. Wow. All right. Now, I don't want to be self-serving and give you mine, but I did hear somebody over here in the corner say, Ken Stewart's Grill, thank you for that. All right. The gift card is a billion-dollar industry in the United States. In fact, $97 billion a year is spent on gift cards. The unique thing about it, it's only good if you use it. How many have a gift card, maybe in a drawer at home, that's a year or two old? <laughs> yeah. We don't want to be a part of that club, all right? $8 billion worth of gift cards go unused every single year. $8 billion. This morning I want to talk to you about the greatest gift card ever given through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Luke 24, Luke writes this, beginning with verse 1. He says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone, found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Yeah, you can clap for that. He's not here. Christ's resurrection is the passageway, the hope for you and I to spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. It's a priceless gift card that we receive through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But the tragedy is, for many, this gift card is never used. In fact, it's never even open. And they miss the incredible grace of God. I want you to do something. If you have a pen or a pencil, grab a hold of that. Sitting by somebody with a purse. Maybe they got like six in their purse. And they can give you one. And grab a hold of that card that was on your seat. If you do that. Now, I don't want you to open it yet. How many already opened it? Fess up. Yeah, a bunch of you. All right. I would have done the same thing. I'd have peeked inside that thing. But keep it closed. And we'll open it later on. But on the back of that, you'll see four blanks. Those are what we're going to use right now, those four blanks. 
And what you write on this card, no one else is going to see. No one but you. In fact, we're not going to collect them. You're going to take this home. It'll be something for you to hold on to to remember Easter this year. With those four blanks, I want you to begin with the top blank. If you don't have a pen, you can do it in your mind. On the top blank, write your name. Or maybe what you're called, what you go by. The more personal you make the top blank, the better this exercise will be as we go through it. As you look at the name on the first blank, the person whose life is represented there is someone who has hopes and dreams. You have something that you love to do, something that breathes life into you, something that energizes you. So in that second blank, I want you to write down something that energizes you, breathes life into you, rejuvenates you. Write it down on that second line. For me, I probably would write something like hanging out with my grandkids, playing with my grandkids. That breathes life into, you, into me. Maybe you, it's, it's singing or leading. But whatever it is that exhilarates you, put it in that second blank. The third blank Write a dream that you have that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Something you've wanted to do in your life, but you yet haven't done it. Maybe you want to climb Mount Everest, I don't know, but something on your bucket list, some dream you have that you haven't yet done. Maybe there's someone you've prayed for for months and months and months, but they've not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord. Maybe you want to adopt a child. I don't know, some unfulfilled dream. Write it down there. One last blank. And I know the person whose name is written on that first line, at some point in your life, there's been some major disappointment some type of discouragement where life hasn't gone as it was planned. Maybe a police officer showed up at your front door with some horrible news. Maybe the doctor gave you a diagnosis or someone in your family a diagnosis that was tough to deal with. Maybe you have a fractured friendship. Maybe a divorce that you've gone through and a failed marriage. Run that fourth blank Write down your greatest disappointment in life. And if it's too personal, just maybe write down the year, and you'll know exactly what that is probably. Again, no one else will see this, just you. Maybe it was a time where you felt like God went silent. Maybe it was a time where you felt like God let you down your greatest disappointment in life thus far. All right, now take that card, set it aside for a minute. We'll get back to it, I promise. But I want to introduce you to or refresh your memory of a close disciple of Jesus 
who could fill in all four of these blanks, even the greatest disappointment one, but found forgiveness in Jesus. On line number one, he would write his name there, Simon Peter. A disciple of Jesus Christ, he was a fisherman, gave up everything to follow Jesus. In that blank, number one, number two, what he would love to do, he put fish on the Sea of Galilee, definitely. That was his livelihood, that was his life. And eventually he got to the point where he would fish for followers of Jesus. On that third blank, Peter would have wrote what he always dreamed of, being a spiritual leader. He definitely had the attitude that he wanted to take as many people to heaven with him as he possibly could. That was his life until it got derailed. When it got derailed, everything began to change. And while we may speculate what blanks two and three might have been for Peter, there's no doubt what he would have wrote in blank four as the greatest disappointment in his life. He would have wrote, denied three times that I knew Jesus. Denied three times that I even knew Jesus. How do you recover from something like that? How do you make up for what you did in that? Let me give you a description of what led up to that for those of you who might not be familiar with it. First happened in the Last Supper in the upper room. We read a conversation about a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. They had Matthew 26. Jesus said, tonight every one of you is going to desert me. And Peter bristled up at it and said, no way, Lord. They all might, but not me. I'm willing to die for you. In verses 34 and 35, says, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me how many times? Three. Three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And sure enough, Peter denies Jesus three times. No sooner had the third denial left his lips than the rooster crowed. And in that moment, Jesus just happened to be moving from one place to another. His face bloodied, his body bruised. And as they drug him past Peter, at that precise moment, Peter denied him for the third time. Luke twenty-two sixty-one says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Ouch. Talk about an unforgettable moment. The prediction came true. And Peter had to say to himself, I can't believe what I've done. I've sold out my Savior. The scripture says he ran into the darkness and wept bitterly. The message paraphrase says, and he cried and he cried and he cried. You got in the picture? Blank number four would have been forever on Peter's card as the greatest disappointment in his life. And this wasn't an accidental slip of the tongue. Three times he denied that he even knew. 
who Jesus was. His dreams, his hopes, all shattered. My guess is at some point in every one of our lives, we've experienced a moment like Simon Peter. Although Jesus might not have physically been present, there have been moments in our life where we've let him down. We've disappointed him. And in those moments, chances are we felt defeated. We felt discouraged. We felt like our life was just a bunch of broken pieces, shattered to the core. And we begin to wonder, will it always be this way? Will I ever change? Well, imagine Peter, the soldiers come, the rooster crowed, everything had changed, everything had fallen apart. To Peter, it seemed like all hope was lost, that everything was defeated. Jesus was crucified. Jesus was now dead. But that was on Friday. Then came Sunday. And on Sunday morning, everything changed. Jesus walked out of his own grave. He conquered death. You see, the resurrection is not the mo just the most significant moment in history of the world. It's the most significant moment in the history of your life. Even though you too may have felt defeated, may have felt discouraged, the resurrection to you today means no sin, no obstacle, no disappointment. There's nothing in your life that God can't or will forgive, heal, and conquer because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right? Yeah. Excited about that? You got to be. All right? Nothing is better than that. And in this series, we've been asking you to pull a chair up to the table. This table we have up here with the flowers on it. And we've looked at different moments in Jesus' life on earth that he shared meals with people. And I want to really briefly go over one more. Jesus had just risen from the dead. In John 21, it tells us that early in the morning, Peter and the other disciples were out fishing. And they saw a lone figure about 100 to 200 miles meters away, and they couldn't figure out who it was. He was on the beach. But all of a sudden then, that lone figure shouted out to them, have you caught any fish? Well, of course, they hadn't caught any fish all day. And that lone figure shouted out again, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And for some reason, these proud professional fishermen listened to this person on the beach. They had no idea who it was. And they threw their nets on the other side of the boat, and they caught so many fish, they couldn't handle it. In fact, the Bible specifically says there were 153 large fish that they caught. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. If you ever been with a bunch of guys fishing, you know, we'll, we'll count the fish, and they'll be, right? Big fish. Well, these guys specifically said, hey, we caught 153 large fish. And as soon as they bring those fish on board, something in their mind had to click. 
you know what? We've done this before. We've been here before. In fact, two years ago, we were here, and that's when Jesus called us to be disciples when we were fishing just the same. And so Peter says, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Immediately, he jumps out of the boat, into the water, swims to the shore, and for the very first time, it's just Peter and Jesus. Since the denial, the very first time, it's just those two guys on the beach standing by a charcoal fire and Jesus cooking breakfast for all of them. Now that's important because there are only two times in all the New Testament that a charcoal fire is mentioned. The denials of Jesus and the forgiveness of Peter. Isn't that cool? It's the only time a charcoal fire is even mentioned. Three times Jesus says to Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And I imagine on that third time, Peter had to get chills because he realized that he denied him three times. And now Jesus is asking Peter, do you love me three times? And each time he says, then feed my sheep. Then feed my sheep. Peter, if you love me, then feed my sheep. What's that mean? It means Peter, go love people on my behalf. Go care for people, hurting people. Feed my sheep. Peter, I'm giving you a do-over. I'm giving you a clean slate. Everything you've done, all your disappointments, all your denials of me, forgiven. Forgiven. It's not too late for you, Peter. I love you that much. And I know this. The name that's written on the top line on your card, Jesus would say the same thing to you. It's not too late. It's not too late. God is not finished with you. There is no disappointment so great that God can't move you forward. Disappointment is never the last word in any story that God writes. The final chapter of your life has not yet been written. So when it comes to your dreams, don't let Satan put a period at the end of your dream where God meant to put a comma. God's not done with you yet. If there was ever anyone who looked like he'd been defeated, it was Jesus himself. I mean, think about it, he was dead, he was buried. And yet it wasn't too late as he rose again and conquered the grave. And because he conquered the grave, not only can he forgive Peter, but he can forgive you. That he has the grace to give you forgiveness for whatever disappointments you have in your life. He's got a gift card. Paid in full for all eternity 
by the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Eight billion dollars go unused every single year. What a tragedy. But that doesn't come close to the tragedy of someone living their entire life and being too prideful to accept the gift of everlasting life that Jesus gave to them on the cross. <laughs> Doesn't even come close. And so this Easter, if you've never redeemed the greatest gift ever given, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, burial, but then three days later, what we celebrate today, his resurrection from the grave, all that for you. And if you've never redeemed that, we'd love to give you an opportunity to do that today. Let me pray specifically for you right now. Let's pray. Father, I pray for anyone in this room God, who may have never accepted the greatest gift that you ever gave, your son, Jesus Christ, on a cross. God, may this be the day that they say, yeah, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. God, even wherever they are right now as they're sitting, God, may they make that commitment to you. And God, I pray then that they would follow in obedience, showing their faith to the world by being immersed in the water just as he was. All for your glory, all for your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I close, I believe, I really do, that God longs to have a conversation with us just one-on-one. -on -one. And so that's what I want to happen right now. I'm gonna ask that you go ahead and open up the card entitled The Impossible. In the next few moments, I want you to read down through that and just have a conversation with God yourself that you might carry on later this afternoon. But just take a few moments and read what God would like to say to you. Let's do that now. Let me read the last part of it to you again. I know you're disappointed about, but don't worry. I'm greater than that frustration or anything else you'll face. Since death can't hold me, then you know I can help you overcome your hurts, disappointments, and failures. Trust in me. So here's what I want to say to you. Come to me and I will carry you. I really mean it. You don't have to do this on your own. Through the sacrifice of my one and only son, your past failures can be forgiven and your future can be different for all eternity. The empty tomb serves to remind you that nothing is impossible when you put your trust in me. If you are ready, I'm ready, God says. Just let me know, I love you more 
than you can imagine. Love the God who does the impossible.